different ways. You may have heard a variation of it. It's kind of one of those old um, homespun remedy stories that gets passed down through people and family, and you, you hear it, and every, there's different variations of it, but I'm going to tell you my variation of it, and uh, you, know, you can take that with what it is. So one day there was an old man who went to go see his son, who was a much younger man. And his, the older man had grown up uh, living out in the countryside. The younger man was living in this big city. And the older man had spent a lot of time, you know, out in the countryside. And he had gotten accustomed to the sounds of the birds chirping. You know, I grew out, well, maybe you don't know. I grew up out in the countryside, so I know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, you, you can hear a lot of the wildlife. You can hear the crickets. You can hear the birds. You can hear, you know, you can hear everything, especially at night. And um, sometimes you'll sit on the front porch, and you can sit out there, and you can just admire all of the beauty of God's creation. So this older man, he had grown up, spent his entire life out in the countryside, and was very accustomed to to that noise, to that, to hearing that. And the, the son had moved away at a very early age, and he was in this big city with uh, lots of cars. You know, if you've ever been in a big city, you know exactly the noise is totally different. It can be just as noisy as the countryside, but uh, just different noise. You have cities, you have horns blaring and sirens going off and people talking and business commuting and going on. And so you've got... This, this older man, he comes and he, he's walking down the street with his young son. And, and in the middle of the city, with all of this noise going on, all these, these horns and engines and everything going on, the older man stops and he looks at the younger man and he says, Do you hear that? And the young man kind of looks at his father and he says, What do you mean? Do I hear, hear what? You know, we're in a chaotic city where everything is, hey, there's noise everywhere. What do you mean, do I hear that? He said, I can hear the birds. I can hear the birds chirping. In the middle of this big city, up in a tree somewhere, were some birds that were chirping. The young man looked at his father and he said, Father, with all of this noise going on, how can you hear those little birds chirping. And his reply to his son was, because I was listening for them. Because I was listening for them. Today, I kind of want to talk about uh, uh, distractions and staying focused and staying uh, staying, uh, not only unified in body and in spirit, but also in your mind to keep your eye on the goal and to to remember the most important things, and to always be listening for the right things. You see that the young man was so accustomed to the city and to this noise of the city, he, he had no idea that the birds were chirping. He had probably walked by them plenty of times every single day, and it never once, because he was not actually listening for the birds. But the, the older man who had lived out in the countryside, he was listening for the birds, he walked into that chaotic situation, into that, uh, the craziness of the city, and he was listening for the birds. And so we, as apostolics, we as Christians, we as true believers, we also, in a very chaotic 
crazy world must learn to listen for the voice of God. And, and when, when it seems like everything is going crazy around us, and the year 2020 was no exception, um, I, I have no doubt that it, it affected this church. It affected every church. Everybody, every family was touched by this in some way, shape, or form. We had to deal with these things, but in the middle of all the, all the craziness, and you had doctors one week were saying, this is okay, and then you had other doctors saying, no, that's, that's wrong, and then you had politicians saying, hey, we're going to do it this way, and then you had politicians saying, hey, no, we don't need to do it this way, and you had activists saying, hey, this is right, and you had other activists saying, no, that's wrong, and and there was just total chaos and confusion. Uh, you didn't know what to believe anymore. It just You didn't know what end was up. You didn't know what way was down. It just everything was totally thrown up in the air and mixed up. And in the middle of all of that, I, me, I begin to learn to sort through all of that and listen for the voice of God. I said, I have to be a little bit like the old man that walks into the busy, bustling city and when other people miss it, I have to catch it. When other people miss it, I have to catch it. I have to be in tune to that frequency. You know, when you're going on the radio and you're, you're trying to find the frequency, uh, I have to be on God's frequency at all times. And when the situation is crazy and, and the, the cars are flying and horns are blaring and, and politicians are going crazy and scientists are left confused and dumbfounded, and the whole world is getting turned upside down, and there's all this noise and chaos. Me as an apostolic, me as a believer, I need to be like that old man in the middle of all of that who said, I can hear the birds chirping. Uh, can you still hear the voice of God when everything is chaotic around you and when, when nothing makes sense and when everything has gone wrong? And so that is kind of what I want to talk to you, talk to us, I should say, today about the importance of, uh, of this. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us. So let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So we have to look out for distractions. We have to be careful of distractions. So uh, is written here in Hebrews. They're saying, look, we've got to look at the sins, but we've also got to look at the weights. We've got to look at things that can hinder us. We've got to look at, um, uh, you know, now they have, uh, they have jammers. They have cell phone jammers, radio jammers, different things like that that can block signals, block communication. It's used a lot, um, police, military, various applications for that. But we have to be careful that in our walk with God, that we do not inherently start bringing some of these into our life, where we, we bring on some communication jammers between us and God, where, where we, we don't hear the little bird chirping sometimes. Where, you know, many times the Bible says that uh, God will speak in a still, soft voice. It's not going to be this loud roar. It's not going to be this massive, you know, thundering uh, voice. It's not going to be the fire falling from heaven. It's, you know, the lightning. You know, everything that, especially with missions, a lot of people, that's what they associate with missions is, is that. And we do have some of that. But I will tell you that most of missions is not that. Most of missions is, in fact, uh, the still small voice. And um, there's a lot of quiet on the mission field. I will tell you that. There's a lot of quiet on the mission field. 
and you get um, you get accustomed to that and learning how to to navigate through that and listen for that still small voice. So we have to be careful that we do not bring any uh, communication jammers. You have to, and, and this is something personal. We all have to do. Uh, I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. We have to get on our knees and we have to kind of begin to examine ourselves. And it's not an easy process because we, we, you know, we, we talk about the importance of honesty. And the real test of honesty is when you begin to examine yourself because it'll, that is the greatest temptation to lie will be lying about yourself to yourself. And, um, and so we have, when we get on our knees and we begin to examine ourselves and say, God, is there anything in my life uh, that is being a distraction? Is there anything in my life that is being a hindrance to me that could be a communication block between me and you? Is there, am I still listening for your voice? Am I still listening for the little birds in the big city? And uh, that's not an easy prayer to pray. I tell people when you, uh, when you pray those prayers, and I'm kind of um, I'm setting myself up for my sermon as well. But uh, so you're going to hear some of this again. <laughs> Act surprised. <laughs> But so you have to be careful with all of that. And it's not an easy prayer to pray. When There are times, there are seasons in life you go through. There are seasons. And, and there are seasons in your walk with God as well. Where God, there are times where God drove me to my knees in long, long hours of prayer. Not that I wasn't praying beforehand, but because he said, I want to take a special moment and really spend some time getting to know you better. I want to spend a little bit more time in communion and in part of that process for me was me going through a little self-examination and going, okay, God, what do I need to change about me? I said, I was on my knees. I said, what, what about David Cad needs to change? What, what about David Cad needs to be, to be different? What, what do I need to alter? What do I need to remove? And also, what do I need to add to my life so that way I am, I am in better communication with you, and so that's kind of the the crux of what we will be talking about today. And I'm not I'm not very long winded uh, at all. I say that, and then I preach over. <laughs> Matthew eleven twenty eight and thirty says, "Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest." God wants to give you rest. I understand what it's like. I used to work. Long, long hours before I was a missionary. Now I just work long hours in a different country. <laughs> so I know what it's like. I used to change 18-wheeler tires. And I know you're looking at me and you're like, how does that little kid change an 18-wheeler tire? I'm telling you, I could do it. <laughs> and um, it was terrible in the summer times. I would have uh, truckers roll in and they'd want all 18 changed. And you're talking about the next hour and a half to two hours of work booked right there. Just boom. That's how long it takes to change 18 of these massive, massive tires. And you've got to get them off. You've got to change them. You've got to air them up. You've got to get them on. And you've got to crimp every single bolt down to make sure nothing flies off because that is a lawsuit waiting to happen. And so uh, I, I know what it was like to, to have long hours, to come home and, and to be uh, very, very heavy laden, to, to be so tired and exhausted. And I would do that after my college classes. I would go to college my college classes in the morning in my work clothes with my steel toe boots on. And when it was done, I would drive down five miles into the city 
and I would start uh, changing tires. And so that's kind of how I was able to pay for college. It wasn't the easiest way. Um, in fact, my wallet, one day in the summer, my wallet used to be a, uh, a very light brown, very light brown. And one day in the sun, I put it in my back pocket, and I've actually got it. So you see how dark it is now. That is the color it was at the beginning of the day when I put it in my pocket. And it turned that color by the end of the day. And that was from sweat that had stained it. And I pulled out my wallet when I got home and I went, whoa, my wallet is a totally different color. So I, could, so I know exactly what this is talking about. You know, I understand what it's like to come home and go, Lord, I need to rest. I am exhausted. And it was a very uh, relaxing and strengthening thing to come home and even tired and exhausted and I would be blowing my nose and I'd have black, black, uh, black dust coming out and, you know, I've got, got it underneath my fingers and toes, you know, everywhere. And so I know what this is like to come and to say, hey, you know what, God, I need, I need to spend some time with you. I need to spend some time with you. Uh, Verse 29 says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Verse 30 says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What a trade we make with God. When you sit down and you think about it, you examine your life, you examine the exchange we make with God and and the times we spend in the altar, and you think about it, we, we make a trade with God. We really do on a lot of things. Um, I'll start off, we, we trade sin for blood. We trade sin for His blood. And in every one of these trades we make with God, we get the better deal. That is how much God loves you. That He knows. He's, he's not, He's aware of this. He loves this. That's how much He loves you is that he's, he's going into these, these exchanges with me and you. And he's saying, you know what, I know I'm getting the, the worst end of this bargain. I know what I am getting is not the good end of the deal. This is far from even. In fact, it is heavily slanted in our favor. Has anyone ever, uh, I don't know, you ever trade in a car before? Yeah, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> You're you're going into this time period of negotiation and you're trying to, you know, he's trying to get what he wants. You're trying to get what you want. Or if you've ever been to a flea market or uh, the farmer's market or anything like that. In Madagascar, everything, a lot of things are done through haggling. And and so there is no set price. They have a price up there and they'll tell you a price, but it's really, that's not actually the price. And so I've gotten used to that and I know what that is like to... And there's sometimes I walk away and I go, man, I got it. I got it. I got the deal. And then there's sometimes I walk away and I go, hmm, I just got robbed. <laughs> I just got robbed. And, um, and I gave it to him willingly. But it's amazing the trades we make with God. We give sin for blood. We give failure for mercy. We give failure for mercy. We give pain for healing. Think about that. We trade our pain, and in return, we get healing. When we fail, when we mess up, we are trading that back to God for mercy. Weakness for strength, and doubt for hope. These are some of the things that we trade with God. And 
it's absolutely amazing how much He really loves us. When you begin to sit down and you examine your life and you kind of begin to put it in this context of a trade and you go, wow, He really loves us because I don't know if I would be willing to do that with other people. And many times we, we don't. Many times we're guilty of that where we don't want to give mercy. We don't, want to, we don't want to give hope. We don't want to give strength. We don't want to give these things out to people when we so freely receive them ourselves from other people and from God. And that's not what I'm talking about, but I'll just throw that. At, that's free. You can, uh, you can take that one to the bank. And so we, we, make a, uh, we have quite a bargain and a trade with God. And the Bible, you can live weeks without food. You can live a couple days without water. You can live a couple minutes without air. But you cannot live without hope. You cannot live without hope. I can't tell you how many times there have been people in hospitals that should have died. That should have died. The doctor said there's no way they're going to live. It's impossible. The scientist said it can't happen. But the person in the bed never gave up hope. And they kept on fighting. And they kept on fighting. And they kept on believing. And they kept on praying. And, it, and it, sometimes it took a long time. Maybe months. Maybe years. But at the end of the day, they were walking out of the hospital when everything seemed impossible. When everything seemed that it could not go forward. And so you, you, we have got to... Um, uh, understand the importance of hope and of of continuing on and believing in these things and saying, hey, you know what? I, I'm not giving up my hope. I'm not giving up my hope. On the other hand, on the on the flip side, there are people that have gone into the hospital for very, very minor issues, very small things that shouldn't be a problem, but they gave up hope. And when they gave up hope, it's like their bodies just deteriorated, just absolutely shut down. It, it's absolutely amazing. I, 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 was, um, I studied history. I love history. For me, I'm a, I'm a history nerd. I love it to death all the time. I read as many books as I can, watch as many documentaries, listen to any podcast, anything I can get my hands on. For me, that's, that's my relaxation. And so I was laughing when I pulled into Indiana and I pulled into Tippy Canoe. And I started grinning because I said, my wife is probably going, what in the world is Tippy Canoe? <laughs> Me, out in the middle of nowhere in Indiana, goes, I know what Tippy Canoe is. <laughs> Amen. So, uh, hope is important, and our hope comes from God. Amen. Our hope comes from God. Don't put your hope in politicians. They change every couple years. And I will tell you this, this is relevant, very relevant, after the last episodes of things we've seen and have to go through. A politician's first priority is getting elected. A politician's second priority is getting reelected. And whatever their third thing is, is what you want. So remember that at very best, under the best of circumstances, you will be third on the list. You will not be one, you will not be two, you will be third on the list. So don't put your hope in politicians. Don't put your hope in doctors. Don't put your hope in lawyers. I'm not saying that all these things are inherently bad by themselves. But what I am saying is that our hope, where we put our hope, where we say what I believe, what I trust in, what I'm going to rely on, what I'm going to lean on, is going to be on God. Because I know that is what is not going to fail me. And so we have to be careful that we stay focused. 
like the old man in the city, listening for the birds. When, when, when God called Samuel, he heard the voice of God as a child, and he dedicated himself to serving God. Now, you've got to realize, now there was something interesting one night while studying this, I came across this and I went, wow, Samuel wasn't the only candidate there that night. There was Hophni and Phinehas as well. There was the priest's sons. And they were, they were candidates for, for the job. But if you look at the lifestyle of Samuel, and you compare it to the lifestyle of Hophni and Phinehas, it would be very safe to say that on that night, when God began to speak, Samuel was very likely the only one that was tuned in to the voice of God. It's very, very safe to say that on that night when God said, I, I am coming to, to raise up a prophet, I'm coming to, to guide the nation of Israel, that the one person that was listening was in fact just Samuel, because Samuel had tuned in to the voice of God. Just like that old man who, who, who was listening for the birds in the middle of that city when, when all the chaos and distraction was all around him. Hophni and Phinehas were living that same wild lifestyle, and they were not tuned into the voice of God. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm almost convinced that if God slapped them, they probably would have missed it. They, they could have tripped right over them, and they probably wouldn't have noticed. Uh, but Samuel was tuned into that, like that elderly man that was listening for those birds. And so when God began to speak on that night, it, it, it was Samuel that was, that was saying, hey, Something's, something's up. And it was Samuel that was the one responding. And it was Samuel the one that had that relationship with God because he had been in communication with God and he was listening for God. He was actively listening for the voice of God, which is something we have to do. As apostolic people, we, sometimes we... I get it. I understand. Life is busy. I have a one-month-year-old. It's crazy. It's... It, it used to be I could be ready in 30 minutes. I got married. It went up to 45. Now, with a child, it's like an hour and a half. <laughs> and if we have another child, Lord help us. We're just, <laughs> I'm going to get up for church at about 4 in the morning and <laughs> start, start getting people dressed then. And maybe, maybe we'll still be on time. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, But thanks be to God, which giveth the which giveth us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Your victory comes through Jesus. Amen? Your victories will come through Jesus. And your hope, your hope comes through Jesus. Your mercy, that also comes through Jesus. And most importantly, your salvation. Your salvation itself, that also comes through Jesus. Um, it's important... And, I, and like I said, I'm not a very long, long teacher. But I, I felt that this was a very relevant lesson because we live in a world today that is so, so noisy. I was talking with a pastor the other day, and I said, I remember as a teenager when I could take my phone, put it down, and not touch it for a month, and everything would be Okay. I said, if I did that now, 
I would, I'd have a letter in my mailbox from Brother Hal. <laughs> my boss's 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 boss. <laughs> Saying, where are you at? What is going on? What is wrong? Because the world has become so noisy and so interconnected and so dependent that uh, finding a quiet place, a quiet time, is almost impossible. Everywhere you go, social media, everything, you get live updates on everything now. Um, The world is so interconnected. Somebody could get shot uh, in California, and we would know about it within 30 seconds. There was a day you didn't find out for days, weeks, months even, that this had, event had happened. Now I know almost immediately. So the world is interconnected, and while I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing, but it's the reality uh, of what it is. And so we have, to, we have to learn that we are now living in this big city. We, there are, there's a lot of noise in our life. There's a lot of people everywhere. There are... It's like, um, if you remember, anyone knows on an election year, the political ads. Every two minutes, everywhere you go, there will be billboards everywhere. There will be posters everywhere. It will be on the radio. It will be on all social media. Everywhere you go, listen, look, think, it will be there. This ad, this, I mean, it just, it just, it's overwhelming. I'm almost at the point now, said, you know what, just let the candidates arm wrestle and whoever wins is who we get because at this point I'm tired of all the mess. Let the strongest man get it. And so, you know, and you know what, we might even get better luck that way. Who knows? At this point, that method's just as valid as um, anything else other people have proposed. (laughs) And so we live in a very noisy world. As, as church people, we do. There's nothing we can do about it. But what we have to do, what we can do about it, we can't change the world. We can't, we can't, we can't change how the world works. We can't, I can't go delete Facebook and, and the Internet and throw us back you know, to the 1950s where we all get to sit on the front porch. I can't do that. can't change time. That progress has come, and who knows where we're going. But what I can change... What I can alter, what I can affect is how I respond and what I am doing. You see, that old man, he was in the city. He was in the, in the chaos with all the, the engines and the horns and, and the people talking and just all the chaos of that great big city. But he responded differently than what the scenario was asking. And so what I want to encourage you today, and I'm coming to a close on my lesson, and we'll just spend a couple minutes just in prayer, is that in the middle of all the chaos, in the middle of all the craziness of this world, we need to be careful, first off, how we respond, and our correct response should always be that I, in the middle of this situation, I am always listening for the voice of God. I'm always listening for that still, small voice, even though it's chaotic, and you need to be able to say, you look at yourself, and say, whatever your name is, David Cad, I understand that you, you can't change the way the world works. But what I can change is how I respond to it and, and how focused that I allow myself to become. And so let's all stand for a minute. And uh, let's spend a little bit of time in prayer. And... and
try to get tuned back in. I, I understand Sunday mornings for me are busy. Sunday is my heaviest work day. <laughs> and so I know what it's like. I understand. You have a very busy day. For some of you, Monday, I understand. You get out there and you start hitting it hard. And you get to work and you dive into your week. And you get into your schedule and, and things can, you know, if you're a normal family, normal person, you usually have a list of things to do a mile long and it never gets any shorter no matter what you do. But you have to learn that in the middle of all of that craziness, you have to take some time and say, you know what, uh, I'm going to put a pause on all those things in life, all those things that really at the end of the day, they're never going to go away and they're not going to mean a whole lot. Even if I did finish my to-do list, it wouldn't mean a whole lot. So I'm going to take some time. And what I want us to do is just to take some time in prayer and um, just, just begin to tune back in to the voice of God. Begin to just spend a little bit of time talking to God and say, you know what, God, what is it you want me to do in my life? What is it you want me to change in my life? What? And it, it might not be anything profound. It might just be a, just a simple, you know what, God just says, hey, I just want to check in with you. I just want to see how you're doing. So let's just spend a couple of minutes lifting up our hands in prayer and let God begin to commune with us right now.